Hi, my name is Sarah and I'm an artist. Lately, I've been considering the importance of creativity. Why is art important? Why are we compelled to create? What inspires us to keep going? How does art connect us through shared experience and build community? In this podcast, we'll discuss process, anxiety, doubt, joy, pleasure, effort, and the importance of making and taking in art. We'll connect with artists, activists, crafters, curators, producers, and patrons of all mediums about what it means to them to live a creative life. We'll talk hard truths while sipping a calming beverage, discovering how and why people make, what keeps them creating, and the exciting projects they are working on right now. Together, we'll try to figure out what this art life is all about and why it matters now more than ever to embrace our creativity. Welcome to the Tea Party. This is Art Tea. I think so. I don't know how you can like be born in in the same universe under the same gravitational pull as like other people and then be like it means nothing. Like there's there's something there, right? Like there's got to be something there. If there isn't, then I don't know what we're doing, like, believing in other things, too. Right. Like... (laughs) The stars were here before us, and so maybe they have some sort of... I know. ...energy ebb and flow. And if I don't research it, then I'll never know if it's applicable. Jesus was a Capricorn. He's stubborn as hell. (laughs) Yeah. He's like, oh, I'm not dying. What are you talking about? He's like, three days? I got it. I'm living up here. <laughs> this is my best life. Yeah. I'm doing this for you, you heathens. I die for your sins. Yeah. <laughs> I really want to see that passion play. Oh my God. Yeah. Just like, I would like to see Jesus depicted as a real human being. Like, yeah. you know, he's a person that has. Like he's whatever the savior and the Messiah and all this, and all this has been placed upon his shoulders and he still has like anxiety or, you know, like he's still relatable, but because he has all this potential and all these great expectations, I'm not preaching about myself at all. (laughs) (laughs) You know, how do you deal with that? Yeah. I don't know if, um, I'm sure that they've done like a couple of things like that, like movies, but there was this one show called Joan of Arcadia yes. where she like spoke She could to hear God. angels. Yeah, or was yeah, it God yeah. or angels? Or maybe it was angels. I think it might have been God. That makes remember. more sense. Who was that woman? I don't know. Me and my mom loved that show. Was it? It was one of the sisterhood of the talk of the Traveling talking pants? pants. The Traveling Pants. <laughs> I was going to call it the sisterhood of the talking pants. What do those zippers have to say? That is a movie I don't want to watch. And I, I didn't watch the original, so I, never I want to watch that version even less. <laughs> well, just imagine the pants talk. Like, imagine it's a reality TV show where the cutaway is only the pants. The pants just and is they're the only one in the reading everybody. being like, girl. Okay, first of all, <laughs> she knows good and well. I am a size 12. She is not a size 12. <laughs> like, you know, just the pants being catty. Like, I'm glad they're all friends or whatever, but... How come nobody's washed me in <laughs> two weeks? Kathy uses that cheap detergent, and it's really doing a number on my buttons. It's disgusting. Yeah. <laughs> we should remake that. Yep. Sisterhood of the Talking Pants. 
I like it. I, I, I don't know which one of the, the four. There's four, right? I, I have no idea. They're, they're, one of them was also on that show, I think. Mm. Maybe. Joan of Arcadia. Maybe I need to go back. No, I don't need to go back. I have other things to do in my we life. We need to move forward. Yeah. Move forward. <laughs> Hi. Hello. Hey. She's so cute. She kills me. This one over here. Ah. I'm so glad you're here. Oh. Um, welcome. Thank you. Couch. This couch uh, is from Amy Bagwell. When's she going to get on the couch? I don't know. I definitely want to make that happen, though. Amy Bagwell, yeah. you're next. Yeah. Yes. That needs to happen. Um, I'm slowly going to cycle through all of the people. I'm just going to be like, hey, come back to the dance studio. I need you for a second. We're just going to talk then, about some things. Yeah. I mean, Surprise. it's a good catalog to have. Yeah. I mean, everybody here is really amazing and i want to pick their brain about yeah. things so yeah i yeah. think this is a great little nugget and you know we can come back and listen to it whenever and see how right or wrong i was yeah. about all my future ideas yeah. <laughs> or just how things have changed yeah like that's okay too it's important to keep records mm-hmm. yeah um, why don't you tell the world who you are? Oh, God. What you do. Jeez. Okay, my name is Renee Cloud. I am what some consider an artist. I consider myself an artist, sometimes. Um, my practice is based in language, um, but I'm approaching it from a visual aspect as well as a conceptual aspect. Um, I'm really interested in how language looks when it says what it says. So, like, the shape of the letters like we all know how to write and we can use our hands to draw this language that we use to communicate to each other which is like incredible like my words that I write down will live long beyond my lifespan if you know they're preserved and survive like that's yeah. why we have the we have written histories we know what happened because we created the series of writing or drawing depending on how you look at it to record all this information. Symbols. Yeah, symbols. Semiotics. I'm really, really, really interested in, like, looking at the act of writing and the physicality behind it and also just the physicalness of letters and language. So a lot of my work is me playing with my handwriting or um, different type sets, typefaces that can drift from being perfectly legible and you understand the message all the way into, I think that might say whatever, because it's so scribbly and scrawly, you can't read it. So that's what I'm interested in. Pronouns are, honestly, whatever you want to call me. <laughs> yeah. um, more commonly referred to as she, her. But Word. whatever. Yeah. The, um, the uh, project that you're working on right now is really wild. Yeah, so I had this crazy idea a while ago thinking about language. Um, a lot of my source material is the internet. Yeah. So I, I love the internet. It's such a pot of everything, right? Like mm -hmm. you can go find what you want in it. It might taste good, but you know, you could also go and pull out something terrible from it. So I had this idea of like 
kind of printing out the internet, but in a way that makes it hard for you to ignore. And it just kept rolling and rolling. And the final idea is a letter set of 200 hand-embroidered sequin letters that are about 16 inches tall. She's putting in work, y'all. It's, it's <laughs> a lot. It's about 31,000 sequins that I have to sew by hand. Um, and so I wrote a grant for it, and I was so amazed and so grateful to receive funding from the Knight Foundation yeah. to make this project happen. So right now I'm in the midst of making these shiny purple letters. And I'll give you pictures to put. Yeah, 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 absolutely. We can share yeah. with everyone. And you also have an, an Instagram attached to that. I do. Right? I'm currently locked out of it, but I'm working on it. <laughs> one day there will be information one day. on the Instagram. One day. I'm working on a website for the project right now. So yeah. it'll all live in one space and you can like browse through and see the mayhem that is this very very bizarre project and hopefully like really soon it'll be out on the streets for people to like actually encounter and see what it is that I'm talking about yeah yeah so like one thing that I think is really interesting about um the internet as the source material and also the amount of labor that you're putting into making each letter is that one seems so um like kind of lacking in effort mm -hmm. and the other like what you're doing requires so much contemplation and planning and effort in in the creation of those letters that there's this like real dichotomy kind of created or like tension around the phrases that you're choosing because um something that we might not consider putting effort into then becomes like the centerpiece of, yeah. the, of all the effort. <clears throat> That's literally it. So yeah. um, it doesn't take, like, we all have access to the internet. We are very privileged to have access to the internet. Um, and because of that access, you know, it's open and free and available to anyone. And because of that, it's really hard to, like, I mean, profiles exist and you can do all that research to find out who someone is. But um, on sites like youtube or reddit or whatever it's more of a forum kind of situation and you're free to express yourself however you want and that freedom that comes from the anonymity of the internet is something that really interests me because people say what they want right like because you know in theory there's no real consequence other than i make someone on the internet mad and i get blocked or right whatever. you, get, you yeah. get blocked or your comment gets deleted or whatever but they the person who made those comments still was able to express that and so sometimes, you know, like we have moods. Sometimes it's a place of rage that they're commenting on. Sometimes it's a place of just pure ignorance. And sometimes it's, you know, joy and support and love that people express in these places. And I'm interested in the whole gamut of it. Yeah. I want to, like, we talk to each other in so many different ways. And I want to, like, explore specifically the way we talk to each other on the Internet. So I'm collecting Internet comments from wherever yeah. mostly forums i'm really interested in places where people talk to each other i'm just collecting them and seeing like did they say something nice did they say something backhanded did they say something like really ignorant yeah or, or like, yeah. did they say something absolutely bizarre that makes no sense at all and i want to put it on the side of a building in giant giant shiny sequin letters for everyone to be confused about Yo, internet culture is so strange it's, it's like it's wild. own thing sometimes where i'm like wait what does that I, I went down, like, a weird, like, 
rabbit hole one one day where I was like, oh man, these YouTube are, these YouTubers have drama with each other, mm-hmm. and I was like, what's the what's the drama? What is, I want to know. Yeah. And like, I got way too deep and I eventually had to be like, this is insane. Pull I apart. can't. Yeah. Um, yeah. There, where are you like mainly looking? Are you on YouTube or are you, you on- know, I have been so focused on making the letters right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I know we are, so I started this project the end of last year mm-hmm. and I knew that we were heading into an election year. And so I wasn't yeah. going to marry myself to any, phrases or anything I have one picked out that's the only one that I have for sure picked out and I've started working on it um so no I've left myself open Mm -hmm. to it um sometimes I look on YouTube sometimes I visit like another chat service um sometimes I'll um there's a chat site called Omegle that I used a lot in high school to make friends with like people from all over the world yeah um, but they now have a feature where I can pose a question anonymously and watch two strangers discuss it anonymously. Whoa. So that's um, a good source of material because it's so international. It's not just like Americans talking to Americans. It's like Parisians talking to people in Australia. Like it's all over the place. So you really can see like the different opinions that are across the globe. And like totally anonymous. Totally too. anonymous. Like. You can share whatever you want to share about it, but there's no way for me to ever find this person again. Yeah. After they said what they say. Isn't that crazy? No consequences. No consequences. No responsibility. No responsibilities. And that's... Ugh, that's terrifying. The, but that's the space where you're most yourself, right? Like... Mm-hmm. And... Which is also terrifying. Which is also terrifying because we can't really provide an environment of no consequences at all times. And we... Well, I... We shouldn't. We should. I don't think we should. No, we should not. No, consequences that, are important. Like, no, no, we we shouldn't provide that. <laughs> consequences are important, but that freedom of just like the opportunity to be yourself and say whatever it is that's on your brain and behave however you want to behave, and know that there is no way this can catch up to you. So the people who use or the people that I'm sourcing material from from chat or not chat roulette Omegle. Like, I'm getting, sometimes it's two people having a really thoughtful discussion about racism or whatever question I pose to them, and they're on opposite ends of the spectrum, and they're actually having a discussion. Like, there's two people on either sides of the aisle or whatever talking it out, and that's so interesting. And now I have a record of these two people discussing this that might show up in my work later. But That's amazing that you can facilitate that, too, and that, like, your art is facilitating that. Yeah, like, I mean... Because I think we want to try and facilitate those kinds of conversations, but you're like, no, the art will come later. I'm facilitating the conversation yeah, first. Yeah, And that's really that's I really want to see, like... I don't expect much when I go through that. Like, I'm just really here to see what people have to say and if any of it sounds interesting enough to put into a piece of work that would make the public question language or question Mm. how they talk to themselves or others or anything. Like, that's what I'm after, right? I'm never really like, I don't know, maybe we can change some minds today, but really it's whatever the internet wants to be. And so it's like being able to submit my process to something that I have no control over or submit a portion of my process to something I have no control over is really, really, like, freeing because I don't have to worry about that, right? Like, they'll give it to me. 
And if I don't get it today, I'll look again tomorrow. Like it's not, it's not something that I have to provide myself with. Mm -hmm. That's well, you're able to reflect like maybe someone else rather than necessarily like have to make your own statement about like you are making a statement about it by curating and by doing putting the effort in and you know the color purple or like whatever yeah yeah it is or like how it's shiny and it's sequins Mm -hmm. um but I think that that's interesting that then you can be like well hold on let me reflect this back on to the people mm-hmm. who are giving me the source material. Yeah, I'm not interested. Like, I have opinions, but I don't feel like they are interesting enough to explore in my mm-hmm. own work. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to make declarative statements in my work because then it's just about me. Mm. And that's, I am one person. And it might yeah. be interesting to someone else, but really there's but lots the of... multiplicity of the letters. Right. Is like what you're... Yeah, I'm after, I'm after, like, just... Hey, y'all, someone out there said this. Mm-hmm. How does that make you feel? Right. Hey, y'all, someone out there said that. Are you angry by it? Are you angered by it? Are you, like, how do we feel? And, okay, then let's have a conversation. Why are these words making you angry? Okay. Mm-hmm. Do you think the person that said those words meant them that way? Or are you projecting onto it? Like, those conversations are really important to happen because we, like, art is a communication, yeah. like, medium. Mm-hmm. Your body, when you're dancing, is communicating this world and this rhythm and this pattern that you've created. When someone's painting whatever, they're communicating what they see the world as or what the vision is in their head. And so um, my work is, I feel very similar in that. I'm just taking a more direct route by using words that we all understand. Yeah, I mean, it's accessible, but then it's also like, there's almost, I don't want to say confrontation. Confrontation is not the right word, but because it's so accessible, it's like you really have to like then look at the way that you are using language in this way and be like, oh man, have I? Yeah. Have I said something shitty on the internet? Oh, well, and that's the yes. question. Those are the questions I want us all to ask ourselves. Yeah. I'm just... I'm making these letters. I'm going to put them wherever they go. Hey, y'all, if you know where to put them, let me know. Um, I'm going to put them out there, and they will live and exist, and whatever the phrase says will catch the viewer's eye because mm-hmm. it's bright and shiny and sparkly, Yeah. and they will try to read it because our legible, like our literate brains can't ignore the legible. Mm. You're never not Ooh, reading. That's beautiful. You're never not reading. Yeah. Like You see words on the side of the road, you're reading them because... That's what you were taught and trained to do. Mm-hmm. So um, there's also just like this really nice aspect too of um, we're gonna take something that might have just been um, like black text on white mm-hmm. background, and then we're gonna like blow it up, make it super sparkly, just drag it out. Yep. And like you can't ignore it. But also, it's this beautiful thing. And sometimes some of the phrases that you're using are not beautiful, mm-hmm. but you make them sparkly, and it, like, kind of brings the attention yeah, in this I mean, other way. We're attracted to beauty. We're mm-hmm. attracted to bright, shiny, sparkly things, which is why I'm like, oh, if I make this language bright, shiny, and sparkly, it's going to be really hard for you not to, at the very least, look at it. 
-hmm. Like it's going to catch your eye. Mm -hmm. And then ideally you're going to read it. And consider. Yeah. Yeah. And then ideally you think about it a little more and maybe, you know, the nonsense says that man stole three pigs from my farm and I hate him. And that means nothing to you. Mm -hmm. Like that's the phrase on the wall that you just walk by. And that means absolutely nothing to you but you're gonna talk to someone else about it and be like hey i walked past this crazy thing that was in sequin letters talking about a pig stealing man yeah (laughs) and then you have a conversation with someone else yeah and then you're like well and also automatically like why would somebody take the time to put that out in sequin letters who was this man like i'm automatically fabricating stories there you go and like trying to like i want to solve the mystery because i think that that's another aspect of this too is that it's like a little bit mysterious yes yeah there's this like well where where did that come from yeah like who who would say such a thing yeah i mean and that's any sort of my work is always asking people to be willing to investigate and willing to ask yourself questions Mm -hmm. um i think it's really interesting when you present someone with the beginning of a story or like a short fragment that has no real context around it and give it to someone else and see what they do with it Mm -hmm. and how they build a story around it or how they make sense of what you just gave them. That's really interesting to me. So the, um, I'm just trying to make people think bottom line, like really like we could cut it here. I just want y'all to think like, I just want people to think (laughs) we have these brains in our head and like we can contemplate so many different things. So let's just like take a second and think about things. Yeah, before you blast it all over the internet. Before you blast it all over the internet and embarrass your mama. Yep, don't embarrass your mama. Um, so let let's go back a little bit. So, um, what? Where where did you get started, like making art? Like, were you creative from a young age, or were you like, ah, I just needed something to do, you know? Um. My, hmm, that's a great question. I would say my creative practice really solidified itself in like late middle school. I had learned what photography was, right? Like this ability to cement a moment in time on film, which was super fascinating to me. And my grandfather had tons of cameras, so many cameras. And so, you know, I just started rifling through what he had left behind and looking and picking out cameras um in high school I spent a lot of time doing photography still but um at some point I was doing a paper on something and I came across Robert Rauschenberg's piece bed which is it's just like a framed painted quilt Mm -hmm. it's very to me like looking at it now it's very unremarkable but it made me realize that um cross-discipline work was possible. Mm -hmm. I don't know why that had never occurred to me before, but you didn't have to be just a painter. You didn't have to be just a photographer. And that really changed my perspective on things. I realized that I can make work, um, I can use skills to make the work, right? Like it doesn't have to be a photograph if it doesn't need to be a photograph. If it needs Mm -hmm. to be a set of 12 ceramic vases that each hold a message from wherever. You know, I've 
Rauschenberg taught me to think conceptually, like think about the idea and what the idea looks like and then how to complete that idea. Mm -hmm. um, I did my freshman year at Savannah College of Art and Design in Savannah, I'm still in the photography program, left there after a year and finished my BFA of studio art with concentrations in fibers and photography oh. at App State. Okay. Yeah, but I would say my practice doesn't necessarily contain fibers or photography really right now anymore. Um, it's just a different place in my life. Mm -hmm. Like I was interested in much different things that made more sense with the camera then, but now I'm just, you know, still approaching things conceptually. Like what is the idea? What does it need to look like? Okay. How do I make that happen? How does it hang on the wall? How mm -hmm. do people interact with it? Those are the questions I start with before I even like sketch anything out. Like before I even pin to paper is like, Who's seeing it? How do they see it? Where does it go? How does it sit on the wall? Like I'm planning out all of these answers before I just start making, yeah. which is a pro and a con. Like a pro, you have a plan. A con, you end up killing a lot of ideas before they even leave your brain. Yeah, that's me. Yeah. That's you think me. it to death. Are you like, are you journaling all these ideas? Are you kind of like, she's like, no. <laughs> Girl, no. Are you, are you, do you find that they're like coming to you through experimentation or are they coming to you from like some kind of dream world? I always feel like I just have to spend a lot of time in a room, like thinking mm -hmm. about what the final product is going to end up looking like. And then I'll be like, yeah, that doesn't make sense, or that does, and it's like a puzzle yeah. that like is slowly revealed. Yeah, I definitely, I don't know where my ideas come from. They just, I daydream a lot, so maybe it's in that daydreaming. I'm always asking myself questions like, oh, wow. Like, oh, what if I like spelled everything out in these very elaborate piles of dirty laundry? Like, mm -hmm. let's air out our dirty laundry. And it's Ooh. a piece where, you know, there's clothes, like, or crazy ideas like that. And they come, and I'll usually chew on them for about a week or so and try to figure out all the little nuts and bolts and where the hangups will be and, like, what's public perception? And then I'll, you know, maybe workshop it with some people around here, like, hey, had an idea. Does it sound dumb? Does it make sense? And then after, you know, I kind of get all the feedback and if I'm not bored of thinking of the idea by the end of the week mm. that I've like just chewed on it and chewed on it I'll, I'll like start to make progress towards it yeah like I'll actually approach completing the idea yeah do you so do you find that you are like holding on to things that are like maybe it's not their time just yet oh yeah yeah Oh, yeah. There's tons of samples in my studio where it's... I've seen it. ...the basis of an idea. Like, it's the execution. I figured out the execution, but I don't have the concept for it yet. Mm -hmm. There's... I have several things in my back pocket that I'm like, this is how I would do it. I just don't know what it says yet. Right. So, which is great because a lot of times you get invited to do things and it's like... Now's the time. Hello. <laughs> we would like these works from you. And you're like, ooh. But I yeah. have ideas that I can, like, yeah, pull back up and maybe flesh out a little more and then execute them. Yeah, that's nice when you have the opportunity to do that because someone's like, we want something X, Y, Z, and you're like, 
Okay, 25 minutes long, you said? Okay, it will be. It will be that. We'll make it there. We'll make it. We'll make it happen. 15 pieces, you say? All right. Sure. I, I, I can make it happen. How much time do I have? Oh, a month. Oh, okay. Okay, cool. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah, re- realistically, <laughs> what can I accomplish in that amount of time? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, um... What would you say, so you already talked a little bit about like using the letters and the symbolism of letters and the internet, but um, what kind of like led you to that project? How did you get into like from where you were studying into this idea surrounding language? Because it seems like fibers yeah and then photography and then all of a sudden you're embroidering words (laughs) um i looked at my fiber studies as adding tools to the toolbox right like i i think there's a lot to be learned from the technical aspects of fiber arts there's a lot to be learned about the craft that goes into those things um i don't know that i would consider myself a fiber artist. I don't know that a fiber artist would like me calling myself a fiber artist, quite honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, the transition, though, from, like, fibers photography to, like, concept language execution was um, freshman year, part two, at App State. Mm-hmm. I was still doing a lot of photography stuff, and because the demographics were a little different from um, SCAD... It was a little less diverse. Mm-hmm. It's in the mountains of Boone, North Carolina. So sure, right. It's up in the hills. Um, a lot of the work that I was making was self-portraiture, but only because I had just left all my friends in Savannah. Like, I didn't yeah. know anybody up there. I didn't have anyone to shoot with yet. So You're it like, was I'll like, I'll just work on myself. Yeah, like, yeah. you always have yourself to use. So I was making a lot of self-portraiture work that always kept getting related back to the black experience and critique. And that wasn't necessarily what the work was about while it is part of it. It's just not the central focus of most things that I do. Um, Oh, newsflash y'all I'm black. I'm sorry. I didn't tell you that. Um, (laughs) Thank you. Adjust your feelings accordingly, I guess. I don't know. Um, so I was getting a lot of that feedback that was just like, oh, so how is this commenting on the black experience? It's like, okay, well, it's not, um, but sure, we can talk about oh, this. Oh, so you were getting that feedback, like, from your peers and from Peers, professors, like, a lot oh, okay. of it was just like, so how is this about being black? And it's not, right? Like, it's not, it wasn't inherently about that, but that's an important question that I have learned to address in my work and there are parts where the black experience is at the forefront and there are works where the black experience is just a part of who I am and I'm the person that made it and thus Mm -hmm. you know those two things are related but um I realized that I could start attaching language to my photographs kind of like Dwayne Michaels or Lorna Simpson and that they give you a caption for the image like you can't separate these two things apart because they are presented to you as one right so I was able to frame my photographs with some language that couldn't that really could be direct, separated yeah yeah and it could direct the experience of the photograph right it wasn't mm-hmm. like 
this picture is about blank, 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 and this and this and this, but it was, you know, a suggestive sentence or like some feeling that I had while I was making the work. And to express that out to the people makes it so much easier because it's on the picture. You can't like take. Right. It becomes part. It of becomes the part piece of the work. And not just, I mean, that's why titles are important. Titles are so important, man. You know, titles are critical. And it's always the last thing that people do for, like, dance works is they're like, uh, I think then I'll call it... Mm, a study in blue. Yeah. It's a nice one. But, yeah. A study in pink. Yeah. Um, yeah. So then eventually it just became all words. Yeah. Though. And I just slowly dropped the image. Not because I don't... I mean, it just wasn't... Well, the words became the image. The words became the yeah. image. The words became stronger than the images that I was able to mm. make, which, fair, fair, mm-hmm. fair. Um, and so I just separated that off and was like, all right, so what else can I tell you all directly with these words that I have mm-hmm. that you can't separate from? Like, the words are the work, so... Right. Speaking of the color pink... Pink! I want to talk about that because you and I share a, a, a love for that color. Yeah. And, like, you have a very uh, hot pink. Yes. Like, attraction to that kind of pink. Yeah. And I love hot pink, too. But I'm not going to, like, uh, disregard a nice rose. Yeah. Sweet baby blush, pink. You know. Yeah. Um, my affiliation to the color neon pink, if I'm making a lot of neon pink, it's probably because I'm very anxious. Mm. Um, I've learned that that word or that color shows up in my work when I'm like trying to keep it together, but it's creeping out and I'm just like, everything needs to be neon pink. It's my anxiety color. It's a happy color. It's vibrant. It is vibrant. I think the energy within like neon pink is enough to like. I don't know when I'm ever pull you through. Yeah, I'm just like everything's pink. It's fine. It's all pink. It's yeah. It's perfectly fine. So, a neon pink does show up a lot in my work. Um, I don't really have a great relationship to color, um, because words are usually black text on a white page. Mm-hmm. So, color is something that I'm not like wild about using sometimes. But if it's neon pink, I'm like, oh yeah, that's it. Everything needs to be neon pink. Yeah. Why did you choose um, purple for this particular project? Um, It just, I had a bunch of sequin samples, and that was the only one that I think would keep me entertained. Mm. Yeah. You got to make it worth it for you, right? Um, Like you said, if if I'm bored, then other people will be, or yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I gotta keep it. I gotta keep it spunky. I don't know why I picked the purple. It just seemed like the right choice out of all the options presented to me. Yeah, sometimes um, that's just how it happens too. And the sequins or the paillettes, if you want to get fancy, that I'm using have a blue green color shift on a purple film. Mm. So it's it's all the colors it's all at a once. Real technical way of yeah. being like it changes colors, y'all. It shifts <laughs> from blue to green when the sun hits it. It's really cute. That's nice. Yeah, and. I think it'll, I mean, it, it gives it a lot of, like, movement, too. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm excited for, they, so I just sent a sample of them 
to be a part of a show in Asheville at UNC Asheville in the library. Um, so I'm excited to get them out of my, I don't know, like they're my precious babies and I'm so glad to send them out into the world to just learn like, okay, do people touch it? Do they touch it too roughly? Mm. Do they fall off the wall? Does it get dented? You know, like all these questions that happen when you relinquish a project elsewhere. Yeah. You never know how something's going to turn out until you have like an audience. Yeah. So I'm excited. I'm excited to have someone else Mm -hmm. install them too, because Oh, yeah. A lot of my work is installation-based, and I usually am super neurotic about it, and I'll leave crazy notes that probably don't actually help anyone install it. So this <laughs> go-around, I'm like, here's the letters. You can pin them to the wall however you want. They'll be like, wait, what? Just just pin them to the wall. Yeah. They don't spell anything. Mm. You could spell something out of it, but they do not spell anything. Ooh, it's, that is, like, so much freedom, yeah. too, that people are going to be like, wait. I accidentally spelled a word there. Yeah. Should I? No. Yeah. That's fun. When they were installed in my studio, it spelled out nonsense. I think it was like nar shui or something, but Mm -hmm. didn't mean anything. But people were like, oh my God, what does it say? What is nar shui, you guys? They walked into my studio like, so what is nar shui? I was like, it's nothing. That is. And it blew their mind. Even more beautiful. Yeah. You're blowing my mind right now. It's whatever you want it to be. I love it. Um, so, just spilled tea, tea all over myself. <laughs> She's spilling the tea and spilling the tea. The tea. Um, so, can you talk about some of your current frustrations mm, with sure. either this project or just like in general? Um, Current frustrations. I am frustrated with my inability to focus on sewing sequence. I thought it was going to be a very meditative, like, zen moment where I'm just there and I'm working on this project and my brain is at complete peace and I'm just happy and I'm just sewing and I can't do it. <laughs> I can't Sometimes do it. I'm getting into those multiples where you're like, you have so many to do you can just be like I don't want to do any of this yeah and I think that's I mean maybe once it warms up more I'll be super into it oh yeah I think the winter is killing me winter's a hard time for me I'm a summer kid yeah I need sunlight water babies we just like want to be at the beach Mm -hmm. I just want to be in sunlight and sitting next to a creek river stream water Mm-hmm. Um, but so maybe I'll, maybe I'll just pack it all up and see if Take I can sit the on the beach and do it. Yeah. Yeah. It's really portable. That's the good thing about it is it's super, it's a super portable practice. So I always keep a letter and sequence in my car in case I'm somewhere mm-hmm. where I just need to like have a couple minutes to sew. It's so much fun that it's almost like a knitting. Yeah. Like you can just like pull out your Don't little. Don't mind me. Sewing my sequins right here in the middle of this doctor's office. Yeah, I just want to see that happening. (laughs) Yeah. Or like you're at jury duty all day or something like that. Not that I want to wish jury duty on you or anything, but. Yeah, it would be fun. I mean, it's portable and I haven't really taken it out into the world yet. And maybe that's, maybe that'll help me Mm -hmm. um, get more focus instead of like working in my studio or in my bedroom. Those are two places that I'm very familiar with. So maybe going into more unfamiliar spaces and working on it will help me like 
streamline it. And then I can talk to people about it, too, because they'll certainly, certainly someone's going to have a question. That's a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. You take the art making practice public. Elsewhere. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to take it out into the world. Mm. I'm going to try to do at least two locations a week Mm. for just a little bit. Cool. And And you're just going to, like, go to a park or a... Yeah, wherever. Nice. Library, park, uh, coffee shop. Um, I don't know. Does someone need me to dog sit their dog for the day? Like, just maybe that's maybe that's what I need. Maybe I need to get out of the house with the project to finish mm. the project. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sometimes that change of scenery can just be like a change of perspective yeah. on it too. Or I mean, it it also can be like something that we think is going to be meditative can also then just be like a little bit isolating because mm-hmm. that's the whole point of it right yeah. is that like if you're meditating about it then you're going inward but then you can be like well where are my friends yeah yeah i don't want to be here by I myself hang out with other people though yeah yeah that's 100 percent part of it and you know anyone's welcome to come so sequence if they want it's I'm going to sew sequins after this. Uh-oh. I'm excited. She's coming. I really love doing, like, hand stitching and crafting a lot. Wow. I miss it. So She's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> but for other reasons, too. Yeah. Not just because I like embroidering sequins. <laughs> it's a beautiful project. I'm into it. Um, I think because I'm in the middle of it, it's hard to see the the yeah 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 yeah. i'm struggling to see what it will look like and when it will be done Mm -hmm. but once it will it's a process you know i've started on this selection of letters for this first phrase that i picked out and because um they are not because i'm making a set of 200 they the letters um they can be shuffled and jumbled back into something else so once that phrase has been exhibited it can come down, go back into the letter set, and then the next phrase, I might only need to do like three or four extra letters mm. to finish that phrase, and then that one's done, and then, you know, like it's just a slow accumulation of enough letters to f- till I finally finish all of them. All of the phrases. Yeah. Um, are you ever going to give people freedom to like make their own phrases with that, or is this like set? I don't feel like it would almost take that like internet and anonymity like real world IRL. Yeah. I don't know. I'm trying to think how I would pitch that in a proposal. Right. Like if I guess I could apply with a phrase and if the caveat is you don't like it, here are the letters and Mm -hmm. you can install whatever you want. Mm. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe it's. I send each location or whoever wants to exhibit this body of work, I send them a random smattering of letters and they have to figure it out. Yeah. Like, yeah. I don't know. What does it say? Yeah. Mm. Maybe that's part of it. Maybe that's the collaborative element. Wild. I don't know. Those that's are great fun. questions. <laughs> um, so what is currently bringing you joy? <laughs> And it doesn't, (laughs) she laughs, Um, it doesn't have to be um, anything about your art, could be, I mean, I'm really enjoying this mint tea, and I, it's getting warm now, 
outside. And mm-hmm. so I'm getting really excited about the idea that I could start making iced tea. Yeah. But like not just sweet tea, but with this like like mint a strawberry or mint iced tea. <gasps> strawberry. Yeah. I love making a strawberry she lemonade. Wants to put fresh fruit in it. That's yeah. so smart. Smash up some strawberries in your mint tea. Game changer. Whoa. Um things that bring me joy. Uh, oh, I recently discovered on the internet, um, Google has like this app that helps you, that helps them like algorithmically classify images. Mm. And so like you can select a category and just tell them if like, I don't know, crosswalks are a category and they show you a picture and like, is there a crosswalk in this picture? Yes or no. And so there's a section of it of dogs yes so i was all about like is there a dog in this picture yes there is and it's really cute is there a dog in this picture no no yes oh my god it's so cute no no and like that has been bringing me a lot of joy because a i'm helping b i'm sitting in my bed doing nothing and c puppy pictures um the best the best of the best is the puppy pictures i think so i'm like being constructive on the internet that's bringing me joy that's awesome yeah I uh, just uh, followed, gosh, what's the handle? I think it's the cutest donkey. And it's just pictures of really cute donkeys, which I've never considered. They're so cute. Before, but now I know. I didn't know before, but now I know. Yeah, they're the cutest. They're so little. Yeah, and they just... They kind of act like dogs yeah. to you. Yeah. They're your po- they're your pony puppy. <laughs> I love it. I want it. I love them. I sorry. No, that brings me joy. I puppy don't... pictures bring me joy. Is that an acceptable answer? Absolutely. Um so what are some things or even just one thing that you wish you could change about the art world? Oh, man, you should ask me this question first, because that's a three-hour podcast in itself. Um, We can can extend. We can do part one, part two, part six. What would Renee change about the art world? Um, I think the real issue within the art world is the monetization of art and the secondary market attaching astronomical values to this work so that the general public by the secondary market, I mean works at auction, right? Like, so... Oh, yeah. Um, these collectors, they go out, they buy art from people, from brokers in New York or galleries that they're friends with or, you know, whatever. They buy art. Great. Awesome. Huge support. Love you for buying art. Thank you. They hold on to that art and then they flip it as an investment by taking it to auction, you know... A short amount of time later, you know, maybe the artist has gained some provenance. Maybe they had a couple shows and they're on their upswing and now, you know, their work is kind of catching on. The same artist will take those, or not artists, the same people who bought that work in the beginning will now take it to auction and sell it for two to three hundred percent of what they paid for it. What? An insane amount of money. They make an insane amount of money and that doesn't benefit the artist at all. Oh, okay yeah it's their like they it's their painting that they sold because they own it and thus they are entitled to the profits of it 
See, I know a little bit about this just from like, uh, there's been a couple of documentaries out there that have kind of like talked about the auction and like, um, some of those bigger art mm-hmm. festivals, yeah. like Art Basel and things like that. Yeah. But this, it's like a different world. You're the first, uh, <laughs> like visual artist oh, that I? I've had on the podcast. Oh. Yeah. So I'm like, what? How does that work? Yeah. Yeah, yes. so it's it's a, I mean, anyone who wants to talk to me about it is more than welcome. There's a great book, can't remember who wrote it, but it's called The $12 Million Stuffed Shark. And, uh, wait, $12 million Stuffed Shark. Stuffed Shark. Um, the premise, the like introductory premise of the book is Damien Hurst, when he was in his formaldehyde place, mm. had a tiger shark embalmed in formaldehyde in this big tank, and that was the piece, right? And it was... Bought, I think it was bought by someone for, let's say, $12 million. Um, the formaldehyde didn't take, and the shark started to decay. Oh, gosh. So they had to replace the shark with a different shark. And the question becomes, what? Like, is this shark now worth $12 million? Or was it the other shark that was worth $12 million? Is it the idea of a shark in a tank that's worth $12 million? Or is it, like, what part of this is... Where are we assessing the value? Yeah. I and mean, that's what the whole book's about. The idea of, um, what was it that happened recently? The banana takes yeah. the wall. And, it's my favorite piece. And then also the person that ate the banana that was taped to the wall. And then they just replaced the banana. Yeah, so you could like read all sorts of theory about it. But basically it's just criticism, right? I think the banana's a critique. The banana duct tape to a wall is a critique of the art market because I can't remember how much the banana tape to the wall sold for. But a lot. A- enough to pay off my student loans and well, then some. Sure. <laughs> so let's let's look at it as that patron, the person who bought the banana, as someone who wanted to support the artist. Right. And not the person that wanted to spend whatever, $50,000 on a banana tape to the wall. That's the connection that I think gets lost a lot Mm. is it's not that this piece makes no sense and it's stupid and it like, why, why is there a banana tape to the wall? Why is it selling for $50,000? If you, you have to consider that that work was made by a person and maybe that piece, though it may seem dumb and frivolous, though it may bring about a conversation of frivolity in art, it is the product of a person. And the person who bought this banana tape to the wall wanted to support that artist. So I don't know necessarily that they're interested in keeping this banana. Maybe they will, in their own home, duct tape a banana to the wall and replace it every week in the spirit of the artwork. Um, But realistically, it's about that exchange, I think. I like to think of it as about that exchange between... It's much more personal. Yeah, between the patron and the artist like well isn't that like what we're trying to like strive for in one way or in like multiple ways is that one person will be like oh man that hits me or i want to support you i get it yeah or even like if you don't quote unquote get it in the way that the artist intended initially you're like that does something for me yeah i like am changed from having experienced that and I want to support this person. Yeah. 
in their next endeavor or it's really that um and because you know there's always a physical object associated with it Mm -hmm. um that value gets assigned to the object and not necessarily the idea behind the object or the person with the idea behind the object the labor of the object Yeah. yeah it becomes like oh these six toothpicks sold at auction for $3.2 million. Or, well, that's that's a different case. Forget that example. That's, I'll explain why. I don't why. know anything about that example. It's but not. I want to know more about, well, because it's like so interesting too in, in performance and in dance, like there is nothing to own. I mean, you can own costumes or you can Mm -hmm. own set pieces or you can own the rights to the music or you can own the rights to the choreography but no one person really like owns a ballet or owns a, a dance unless you're like completely making everything Mm -hmm. yourself but then the point is to like share it yeah but nobody can like take home a dance with them after they so like it's the experience that we're trying to get Mm -hmm. after but i find that um so often people don't ascribe value to the experience because they're like well what do i get out of sitting here so Mm -hmm. because there isn't any tangible object it's a very like ethereal kind of thing then people are less likely to want to support the performing aspect yeah i think performance art is a high art it's a higher art than anything i'll ever do right like it is asking people to accept this experience that you are creating with their eyeballs with their ears with their brains and their hearts like you are accepting some you're asking someone to accept this experience and Mm. You know, let it resonate. And yeah. engage. And, yeah. like, let it resonate within you. Like, mm-hmm. um, and I think that is a level of connection that is so brave and dangerous and, like, trusting and just, like, that is the sacrifice of self. Like, I am willing to put all of it, including my physical being, into this work for the viewer. And that is, whew, you give a lot. You give a lot. I feel it sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> like, are you watching? But are you feeling yeah. this? Yeah. But are you connecting to this? Are yeah. you open to this opportunity and this experience? Right. And that's, you know, that's, I think, why performance art is so hard for people. Yeah. Because that's a big ask. Mm-hmm. And that's, it's uncomfortable, for sure. It's, a, it's an uncomfortable ask. It's a big ask. And it's not something that we are used to doing. Yeah. So do you think that, like, this ownership aspect of, like, visual art or or something that's, like, tangible then, like, kind of obstructs that same experience from happening in... I think it can. Yeah. I think it can. I think um, we can fixate on what it is. Like, what are the elements of the thing that I can describe and dissect Mm-hmm. and understand and not really open ourselves to what the question of the work is or like what like how does it make you feel right. how does it make you think like what is what are you getting out of it mm. like not what is it what is it giving to you what is the opportunity that it is presenting to you like why right. am i connecting to other than like some kind of monetary right 
value. But here we are in a capitalist society where things are only valued by their dollar sign attached to it. So, <sighs> and I mean, that's something that we can rally against for the rest of forever, but are we going to get anywhere? Well, yeah, I think that that's how do we subvert that? I mean, I think that I see people doing it in a lot of ways. Just, I mean, even this building here. Yeah. It, Goodyear Arts, like, I think that that's doing the work of, of subverting some aspect of, like, capitalism. Like, it's not... But look at the place of privilege we're in. Goodyear's grant funded. So it's other true. people decided that this was an idea that they were willing to throw money at. It's true. And thus we are, you know, so grateful to benefit from that generosity and that belief in mm -hmm. the power of art so that we are now presented with this beautiful space and building to create this programming within that gives people the opportunity to engage in art. And my one of my favorite things about this place is there's... I feel like there's more performances here than there are openings. I mean, I love that, like, there's, like, such a mixture that we're able to, like, have things coincide, too. Yeah. That there's, like, an opening and a performance happening yeah. at the same time. Or, or like, we'll have our open gallery hours and then there will be a film being shown, yeah. too. Yeah. We're just trying to create... Goodyear's trying to create the opportunity for charlatans specifically to encounter art that makes them think like it's not we're not the met we're not the moma we're not the beckler we're not the mitt we're not interested in being any of those spaces i think the beauty of goodyear is that it challenges you to fail like what happens if you know you go all in as hard as you possibly can on this one idea and at the end of it, the only thing you have to show is that that wasn't the idea to chase after. Right. But you learned along the way. Yeah. And that's, you know. And those safe spaces to fail in are critical. very important. They're yeah. crush. Crush. They're crush. They're so crucial. Absolutely. Absolutely. We need the, sp I mean, artists need the space to be challenged by themselves, right? Like, they need the permission to make those mistakes this isn't an academic institution you're not going to fail your class if you don't mm. put something on the table but at the same time we're all here to support you in your effort to put something on the table right yeah yeah that's what i love about it here what keeps you going girl in the face of all of that and like there's other things too there's a lot going on in the world today um i think what keeps me going is the fear of squandering an mm. opportunity which is another anxiety-based thing but um i don't want to squander what i've been given right so i get up and i just just try something if You're even if i saw one working people i know oh stop I'm really... it's real true though it's seasons. It comes in seasons. I burn myself out. I don't know how to like oh. find a good balance. So I'm either just like feast or famine. Yeah, yeah. I'm all in going 100% of the time for like a month and a half and then for three weeks and like can't do anything. Yeah, I, I think that's really common though, especially like 
we'll all we'll all like fill our calendars and then we'll be like oh things are super crazy right now I'm so busy and then afterwards we'll actually have time to rest and Dylan always gets me on gets on me about this because I'll be like ah, a day off I'm gonna answer emails and he'll be like no <laughs> that's it. not a day off stop yeah, yeah. um but you, you get into the space where you're like, I feel like I'm not doing anything. Yeah. I'm not accomplishing or, or, or I'm bored. Yeah. Got to line up that next whatever. It's literally the two. I'm either bored out of my mind or just like, I need to do something. I'm not doing anything. I don't have any projects going on. Oh my God. I'm a failure. No one's like, why do I even have a studio? I can't make art there. I can't make art anywhere. I'm not an artist. You know, that... <sighs> meltdown that happens when you have a two-week break between the two things that you're doing yeah and you have to say girl you just finished a mural you just finished dancing this huge piece you just finished like you did it Mm -hmm. you did it so like take a break yeah I think we uh we all have a hard time acknowledging that too especially for something that we're like doing every day yeah it's a hard it's hard to acknowledge when we hit milestones in that practice mm-hmm. that like oh you've accomplished something because it's like you get up and you go back to it yeah again. you just you just get yeah. right back on it mm-hmm. i the saying like you know find something you love and you'll never work a day in your life that's to me is such malarkey Not true yeah that is like i love what i do but it is work it requires things of me that work would also require of me and it is fair to think about it as work because it is. Well, yeah, and then also going back to that, like then value, yeah, like valuing the work that you're doing and placing value on that, so that you can, like, yeah, be real. Maybe hopefully one day pay yourself or you know, <laughs> right? Give yeah. ourselves real money for the work that we do. The dream. Uh, the true capitalism. dream. Mm. Um. Okay. I have a couple more questions. Um, what's the best piece of advice that you've received as an artist or just something that's stuck with you? Um, mm. The best piece of advice that I've received, it's come from like lots of different people, so I can't really attribute it to one. You can, you can also have multiple um it's like but the it's essentially the same idea is that you are the only one who knows how much you put into this right like Mm. you are the only one that knows all of the secrets of this work that you're making like when you're dancing a piece and you stumble but you roll it out oh yeah i'd I, I fake real hard like that was intentional. <laughs> yeah, like it's those, it's those little, it's the little glitches that I kind of freak out over, but I often get told is like, listen, the X amount of people that are going to see this are not going to fixate on the fact that this bead snapped right here mm. and it's not mm-hmm. what you want it to be. Right. You do not have to fixate on the little things because the viewer are, they're going to take in the whole experience. Right. They're not looking at the little teeny tiny bits and pieces. They're taking in the whole experience. And if someone wants to clock you for a bead being missing, then you say, yeah, I'm human. I forgot a bead there. Yeah. I mean, if 
if the things that you were making were able to be made by machine, then... Machines would make it. Right. But the human element is important in all of this and in the experience. Yeah. So... That's the best advice. It's like you are creating 100% of this. And because you can see the 3% that is wrong doesn't mean that the rest of the viewers will. And that's not something you should fixate on. You should strive for 100, 100% all the time. Like you should definitely shoot for absolute perfection, but you have to understand that you're a human and you can't achieve it. Or, you know, like be willing to accept when you don't achieve perfection. Yeah. And that that's okay. And that's okay. And that sometimes that makes a, makes a project maybe gives like an entry point or Mm -hmm. like a connection point. It makes it more interesting. Yeah. Makes it more interesting and makes it more um, accessible and like relatable to people Mm because we're also like performing and making work for other humans who despite what they say are not perfect (laughs) either so yeah yeah. you have to accept that be willing to accept that yeah i'm still working on it but that is a really good piece of advice yeah that is good um what are you looking forward to um me and my mom are going to New York next week for the Armory Show. Ooh. This will be the seventh year that I have gone to the Armory Show, which is terrifying to think of seven years passing. Um, Does your mom go with you every time? Uh, every time, but the first time my mom has gone with me. Okay. And it's uh, it's a really fun time. The Armory Show happens at the Chelsea Piers in New York City. Um they take these two very long piers and just turn them into a pop-up um, fair exhibition. It's like Basel, Miami, but in New York. Mm-hmm. So there's that main festival fair that's going on, and there's a bunch of other things that pop up. And usually um, exhibition spaces will also have openings around the same time because, you know, everyone's in town for it. It's just it. a big Yeah, it's just a fair. big yeah art party um art party we usually i usually only go for like a couple of days and i try to do the armory show and maybe one other thing Uh and then some shopping and then i go home um so we'll see this year hopefully i'd like to i'd like to finally get out to the brooklyn museum it's just Mm. really hard (laughs) it's hard to get there it's just hard to get there it's true it's hard to get there from midtown Mm -hmm. um what about your projects that you've got coming up? Um, so you've got this show that's happening in Asheville? Mm-hmm. I have some work in a show that's happening at UNC Asheville. I cannot remember the title of the show, but it's in the library. I can, I can post all this. Yeah, we'll have an opening on the 27th of March. Um, and then um, D'Angelo Dia and I will be having some work open at Free Range in April. And then um, I have a solo show hanging right now at Advent Coworking. No idea when the opening of that will be. Um, And then I'll have another solo exhibition in the fall at UNCC. Wow. So. So busy. This is. And the culmination of the shiny language project is the first i believe the first showing of any of it will be in april during boom festival okay 
the first showing of any of it in Charlotte outside of the gibberish that's been on my walls. Mm. Its first official installation will yeah. be at Boom Festival in April. In April? Yes. I think that's late April. Okay. Yeah. Something like that. I don't know. My calendar, it's a disaster. But She doesn't write anything down. I really don't. <laughs> it's bad. I do not write a single thing down. She's too busy writing for her artwork yeah, in yeah. order to write down writing, any personal notes. It's not a practical practice for me anymore. It's really conceptual, you know? So I only write when I'm in the concept. <laughs> I love that. I only write when I'm in the concept. I also love this character that you're the super art nerd who's so obnoxious sipping tea um how can uh people follow you um, or get in touch my website is reneecloud.com my instagram handle is nathan knows better all yes. one word uh i don't tweet because i'm a twit i don't tweet either uh yeah um, I'm here at Goodyear most days. I'm very open for studio visits, walkthroughs, talks, whatever you want. Just come hang out with me. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, last question. Uh, what do you wish that people knew about you and your art or art in general? Uh, Save the best for last. The hardest for last. Art in general. I want people to know that art means nothing if you don't, if you want it to mean nothing. Mm. like it is optional art is optional you can connect to it or you cannot and that's totally fine it's not for everyone but it is there for everyone mm. mm-hmm. um you get out of it what you get into it yeah or put into it yeah it's or how uh, you get how far you get into it yeah i want people to know that and i want people to know about me and my art uh half the time I'm not convinced of my own ideas so um, I want people to feel free to call me on it 100% be like I don't don't say more words about this yeah Yeah. like force me to say words about something if you don't if you're not buying it by all means please tell me you're not buying it so we can have this conversation and maybe there's something I can fix in it or maybe there's a way I can make you or help you understand a little more I don't know so, Renee, this has actually been an intervention. Because... <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> we all here love you. However, we don't know what you're... No. Yeah. Your art is bad. I would never say that. If you did, I would love you for it. You shouldn't be like, but why? Tell me why. Is it really bad? Explain say to me. Say more words. Tell me more why I'm words. not doing it right. Yeah. I'm always open for critique. Please come read me for filth whenever you want. I love it. Yeah. This has been so nice. I, I just love hearing about this project. I think it's so <laughs> beautiful and, and like, inspiring. And I'm ready to go sew some sequins Well, come on, you. girl. Let's go do it. Let's go. Let's put on an episode of something or... or whatever you want. Whatever. Whatever yeah. you want. Of course. <laughs> of course. Awesome. Cool. cool. Thank you. Of course. Cheers. Cheers. Do you want a clink? Sure. Let's get that good clink in. Yeah. <laughs> that was awesome. We did it. Yeah. Thank you. That was good. I say so many words. Words are your thing. I know. I, just, I feel like it's so too normal. No. Meow. Meow.
Thanks for joining us for this episode of Art Tea. Special thanks to Goodyear Arts for providing space for conversations and to Dylan Gilbert for creating this catchy theme music. You can follow them at Goodyear Arts and at Dylan Gilbert Music. You can follow me at Singularity. Until next time, keep living creatively. Cheers. Cheers.